back to the OML Podcast. I'm Mike Fina, Executive Director of the Oklahoma Municipal League and your host. Today is going to be an interesting conversation with our guests, but I have to warn you, it's going to be a departure from our usual municipal conversation. But I've always thought our guest job is one of the most interesting positions in state government. I've actually thought that for a long time, long before I was even a mayor. It's when I worked at the state capitol as a legislative staffer and I was first introduced to the workings of the governor's office. I was always amazed at how many different appointments to all the state boards and commissions that the governor made. It seemed like every year in the legislature we created some new board or commission and virtually every one of them had input by the governor. Today we're going to talk to the man responsible for preparing the governor and performing all the due diligence so the governor can make those appointments. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Governor Stitz, Director of Appointments, Chris Burrell. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you. Good to be here today. I appreciate the opportunity to come over. And I just want to say this is the first time I've been in your building. And uh, I've had the chance to work not only with you, but many of your colleagues uh, here and your predecessors over the years. And I've always feel like I've had a great relationship with everyone here. And I've always been been happy to work with, uh, you know, the various folks in leadership positions in your in the municipalities you represent. I mean, we've had a chance to interact with a whole lot of them. So you uh, actually didn't you work with Missy Dean? He used to be our legislative director I did. too. Yeah, Missy, Missy was um, w- worked in the legal office uh, under Governor Keating, and so um, I worked with her for uh, really all the time that I worked uh, for Governor Keating and. Uh, and uh, she, she, I consider her a very good friend, and, and we certainly worked together when she came over here to the Municipal League on different appointments, and uh, hate to see her out of Oklahoma, but uh, I, <laughs> I hated to see her go, but I mean, I, I, but I'm very happy for her. I think she's, uh, you know, she certainly will do a great job. And she's actually still does a little work on the side for OML, so I didn't oh, lose her totally, yeah. but I wish she was, I wish she was here. So you, you, you mentioned um, working for Governor King, which is kind of a great segue into, in the first thing I to ask you because you've had a really interesting career in state government pretty much all in the in the governor's office so you work for three governors at this point yes uh governor stutz my third governor to serve under and uh but yes i worked under governor keating and governor fallon and and i started under keating not too long after i got out of college uh and i was just i mean i was just entry level just happy to get my foot in the door the first year i worked there all i did was open mail and do proclamations commendations i mean i did all the grunt work i still remember being the uh a person we didn't have christmas eve as a holiday back then so i got to be the one three weeks after i started to man the office christmas eve day and uh so anyway i started out you know just doing kind of the basic stuff and just kind of worked my way up from there. And, uh, you know, they moved me into what was called a cabinet liaison role, which basically was doing a mixture of constituent work, but also... Who was that with? Was that... That was also with Keating. Keating. Yeah, after my first year there. And they... Uh, anyway, I, I was, but but part of my job was to go out to agency commission meetings and, and kind of report back on what was going on, at least the ones that were underneath the cabinet areas that I was assigned to. And so that kind of gave me a good, uh, kind of a good background, you know, for what I would do later in appointments to be able to get that exposure. So, so what you're doing now, I have thought for a long time, even when I worked in, in the building in the legislature, and you and I used to cross each other's paths in the hallways all the time. So we kind of have been there about the same amount of time. I mean, you've stayed in the building longer, 
Um, but I've always thought that your position is one of the most interesting in, in government and, do, and being the director of appointments. So give us just kind of the brief overview of what, what your job entails. Well, it's, uh, it's, as I like to say, it's an awesome responsibility, but it can be very rewarding too. I mean, it's a little bit of both. And uh, I, uh, you know, it's, it's really, you know, my job is primarily to help identify candidates uh, for the governor to appoint to boards and commissions, and sometimes other positions too, and then also to uh, you know help vet those individuals too, and that's as much a part of the process it is you know once you find the person you know making sure that they check all the boxes that they don't have any legal conflicts of interest or other things that we kind of have to look out for, and so it's it's kind of a twofold. Uh, approach, but you know, ultimately, if it requires the filing of an appointment order by the governor with the Secretary of State, then, then you know, I'm involved at least to some extent in the coordination of that. And so, and you know, just the degree of coordination can vary on the position, on what the role is that's being filled. Um, but you know, ultimately, you know, filing of appointment orders is is a big part of what we do. So, and it's one of the most important jobs a governor has. I mean. And because in many instances, the people that the governor appoints to a board or commission or any other position, you know, those individuals are going to end up outlasting their term in office. So really, one of the governor's key ways to build legacy or to build the legacy of their administration is who they put in those roles. And so because they will often follow uh, them at long after they leave office. That's an interesting point. And think about that. That is legacy building. So I have to tell you this, that when I worked for, for Jerry Askins and I was running her office and she was running for governor, for governor right. against governor Fallon. Um, and I, I had more people that contacted me that thought if they thought Jerry was going to win that when they wanted a job in the governor's office, I have more people that wanted your job than I think anybody else uh, or any other position, I always thought. So uh, I think a lot of people think what you do is really interesting. So uh, you're talking about the governor making that many appointments. How, how many appointments actually does the governor make? Well, you know, I actually, a few couple of years ago, I actually went back and averaged it. I, I actually got a list from the Secretary of State and going back three administrations, uh, Keating, Henry, and Fallon, I did... I averaged it out, and I came up with an average of 400 to 500 per year, and that's kind of that. That seems to be in line too with kind of what we've done too, and uh, you know, in this administration so far, and and you know, um, those are a mixture of Senate confirmation appointments and those that don't require it, and actually, there's probably more that don't require it than do, but the ones that do are a more involved process, right. so it's kind of a give and a take. So. Um, but it's usually, you know, four to five hundred a year, you know, is, is kind of what we average. So, so after after someone is appointed, are do they at, at that point serve at the pleasure of the governor, or are some of them permanent at that point? Uh, you know, most the, the first of all, the law is what establishes how long a person can stay on the board. So we always look at what the legislation says or what the law says for or the statute, I should call it, for whenever you know somebody gets appointed. So. It's. I would say most terms are actually have most people are fixed terms, but we do have quite a few that serve at the pleasure of the governor, where the governor has the authority to make a change at any time. However, there are some that are both. Some actually, we actually have some boards that prescribe fixed terms of office, but it adds a caveat: shall also serve at the pleasure of the appointing authority. And so, you just have to look at the law for each position as to what 
you know, how long they serve. And, uh, you know, and so that, that kind of also affects our approach, too, uh, as to how we, you know, may, you know, select positions or prioritize them or. So are, are all the appointments statutory or are there different kinds of appointments? Well, for the governor to make an appointment, which is something that is filed with the Secretary of State, uh, then there needs to be some sort of legal authority for the governor to make that appointment. So now it can come through a couple of means. Now, statutory is the overwhelmingly most common type of appointment. However, uh, there are some, we do have a handful that we do that are created by executive order. And there's times the governor has the authority to create a task force, uh, you know, for example, would be something that was created by executive order where an appointment is made. There are a very small few that are driven by federal law. And we have a few that are driven by that. And, you know, like where... What's an example of one of those? I don't Well, I think, I uh, yeah, the Rehabilitation Council... The state, the Oklahoma Rehabilitation Council mm-hmm. would be one. Um, I believe statewide independent living council is another it, where there's a federal statute that says in order for you to receive either funding or some other stipulation, uh, you need to have this council set up in this way. Hmm. And so that also, there's not a whole lot of those, but there are a few. I did that. I, I learned something new today. Yeah. I did not know that. In fact, I'm working on a few of those right That's now. That's <laughs> So as far as, uh, so you, have, you, you talked about statutory executive order. Um, and and would, would it, depending on that kind of appointment, do they all go through the same process? Pretty much. I mean, we don't. You know, the, the process itself, once a decision's made on who gets appointed to whatever position it is we're looking at, it really, in terms of executing that appointment, it really doesn't change that drastically depending right. on on what the position is. Usually, you know, usually we go through pretty much the same process. And so, um, you know, we it, it still gets down to the same things. you got to identify the candidates, whoever's qualified, and... You know, then, you know, vetting them to make sure that they meet the legal qualifications for the board. Then the governor makes a decision on, you know, I want this person or that person, you know, that's applied. And then, you know, after that, we execute the appointment. And so, you know, typically when we, you know, typically when it's time to make the appointment official, then, you know, once the governor's, you know, said yes or you know go ahead and move forward with this person then you know i do kind of a typical vetting process with the applicant just you know to try to double check we don't have conflicts or anything like that do a background check then we file it with the secretary of state which is actually what makes the appointment legal and official because once they it could because it's it's sort of like an executive order of sorts i mean it's filed has the the attestation of the secretary of state and then we send the you know send a notification out to the appointee and to do whatever agency or entity is is staffing or has the responsibility for uh, managing the board uh, then they get the notification too and of course the coordination of when a board member starts attending typically actually comes from the agency that's staffing the board and and then they're the ones that coordinate with the appointee on attending meetings we don't actually get involved in so you and I were just working on an appointment, and I remember and one of the things we were talking about is you, you, you talked about the social media aspect, and I thought it was interesting and very smart 
that you guys you, you go out and you actually check to make sure these people are not going to embarrass the state. I we we do try to check that, and you know, I mean, I I, I mean, there's just no way I could ever get involved in everyone's social media accounts, and it's not our intent to. <laughs> to try to tell people what they can and can't post. But, of course, you know, we obviously, you know, ask anyone that's representing the governor on the board to use good judgment right. and, you know, in whatever in whatever they're doing. And so, uh, you know, just, you know, that's – and I know that's kind of a fine line to walk these days, but it's, it is – it's – I would say that's been an emerging um, aspect of, co- of appointment coordination uh, that not just, you know, I've had to deal with here in Oklahoma, but I've, many of my colleagues around the country have had to deal with. And it was, it's something that wasn't so much an issue 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. And so it's something well, it's that's... It's a big deal now. Some it is. With that daily in municipal government. People have, have no filters on their, their social media. It, uh, it's, it's, a different, uh, it's a different world. And, yeah. uh, so if you want to be appointed by the governor, just... Keep yourself clean. <laughs> well, it, it helps. <laughs> you know, it certainly helps. I mean, we right. you just you know you just don't want anything that's going to be a distraction. Absolutely, and that's I, the thing. I, you you don't yeah. want anything that's going to be a distraction. So, so. you mentioned your um, counterparts in other states. Is there a like? I know there seems to be a professional organization in politics for just about every facet. Is there one for appointment secretaries? Well, the, not really. But the closest that we've had over the years is the National Governors National Association Governor, yeah. (NGA), and they have done in the past appointments director conferences, and I've attended a couple of those over the years. Great conferences. I've always gotten a lot out of them. I mean, and I, you know, you typically try to come back with ideas. You know, you it helps to see what other states are doing, yeah. and what I've come to find out is a lot of the states and a lot of my colleagues they deal with the same challenges that I deal with and the same frustrations and the same, you know, issues. And, and it helps sometimes. To, there's there's only a few of us out there that do this kind of work. Yeah, and it. so it helps every now and then to get that. It helps every now and then to kind of get that feedback. Yeah, the Governor National Governor Association, the um, a couple of your, your your bosses were really prominent. I know Governor Stitt, he, he's still kind of new to this and probably will be, but uh, Keating and Fallon were, were pretty prominent in that group. I, uh, I yes, I recall that they were, and uh, I mean, I, I don't, I wasn't as involved in their in in their roles, yeah. but I do remember that they were, and I know that uh, you know they tried to take on a you know a leadership role there, and and uh, you know, and, and and I know the governor, he's he, I know he's definitely active in some of the other uh, organizations too. I mean, oh, yeah. RGA, and and yeah. you know that's a big one for him, and. Well, we, we're still expecting big things nationally out of him. So, we, well, <laughs> well, he's 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 we 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 all have uh, we all have high expectations and want him to do well. So let's let's get back to to appointments. Um, what so you, you talked about some of the different kinds of appointments. So what are what are different entities like? Does the governor through this process appoint uh, executive directors of, of agencies and different? Is this the same process? You know, that's been an evolving. Uh, that's been an evolving role in appointments is the appointment of agency directors, and it's expanded both in the last administration and certainly under him. Uh, he, you know, was successful in his first year in office of getting appointing authority over. Uh, five of the major agencies in state government and, uh, you know, mental health among them, uh, juvenile affairs, transportation, um, you know, and I'm just thinking off the top of my head here. But well, the, the legislature had a lot of faith in him. I mean, they, they adjusted the law to do that. And, the, and this legislature has never, it didn't matter 
what the party affiliation, they've never been open to giving a governor that much authority. And this one did for him. Well, I think I think part of that is, too, you know, he came in, I think, really wanting to put a fresh set of eyes on state government. And I think the legislature recognized at the time that, um, you know, he needed to have that authority to have oversight, direct oversight over these agencies. And I think the other thing is, you know, it is it's just a fact that you know, the governor is elected by the people to oversee the executive branch in Oklahoma. And so I think, you know, where in the past these positions had been primarily, you know, done by boards and commissions. Mm -hmm. And at that point, even at that, you know, the governor did not have the authority to even replace any of those board members when there was a problem in one of those agencies, or at least not immediately. And so this is a way, I think, to help streamline that process. And so, you know, to give the executive more, you know, more oversight and also more control to respond quickly, if necessary, to any issues that may go on in those in those um, in those agencies. I've learned something in just my dealings with the different areas that I've worked with the governor's office. Um, it, It his management style, which come is very business centric management style it it lends itself better to that because i've been able to work with the people that he's picked i'll I, the best i'll use this example because he's just one of my favorite people to work with but steve harp the coo mm-hmm. uh he he just brings a different mindset and i know it's the same thing as the governor i because they're i think they're dear friends on top of just being being professionally attached but uh but i think that that the way it is set up now it just lends itself to the governor's management style. And I think it's working for him the way he's so. Well, I think, you know, and you mentioned Director Harp and I and I, and I like Steve and I, I work with him, uh, you know, fairly often on different on different things. And and, you know, somebody else and he just left the administration earlier this year was John Budd. Yeah, I mean, he's somebody else that that was brought yeah, in. And I think, great. you know, I would just say this. I think one of Governor Stitt's. Uh, biggest stamps per se that he's been able to put on the appointments process is that he's been able to bring in a lot of people into state government such as the individuals you know we've just discussed mm-hmm. that probably would never have given state government service a you know a second thought right. and I think that's that's kind of part of his approach on you know putting quote the fresh set of eyes so to speak uh, is he's brought a lot of people in from different backgrounds and, and you know I think too you know him coming from a more um, you know, coming from, like you said, a more business background, uh, you know, not having previously, you know, been in, you know, in state service until now, I think it gave him a network of people and professionals that were in, uh, you know, private industry to bring into state government. And I think it's, and I think it's serving the state very well right now. I do too. I do too. I've I've enjoyed working with with his appointees. So um, let's, uh, we'll, we'll press on a little bit here. As far as requirements for, for appointees, are all the requirements the same, or do they vary from appointment? They definitely vary, and that's that's the thing. And and we have to, with each appointment we take up, we have to evaluate the qualifications in statute, and or whatever the appointing mechanism is. We have to always evaluate the qualifications because they vary from one board to the next, and and in and in many cases, even within that board, they vary from one position to the next on the same board. I mean, you may have, the law may say this position shall have an engineer, this position shall have an attorney, there'll be an architect over here. So you always have to distinguish, you know, in the appointment order, what spot on the board someone's filling because the requirements are often different. 
So, and it's just, it's kind of another added thing we have to vet through, you know, and making sure. Well, and that's the thing, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, well, we want to be on the architect board or we want to be on, you know, whatever board. And it sounds good, but then you got to get into, um, you know, do they meet all the requirements? But you're not an architect, so. Right, but you're not an architect. Now, if it's a public member spot that's open, and we do have some lay member spots that occasionally come open, then maybe it's okay. But you always have to look at, what position on the board you're filling. You know, I've always felt like with appointments that there's two, you know, you kind of have to check the two boxes, you know, does it politically make sense for the governor, but also legally. I mean, because you can have someone that's, you know, that's that's very philosophically aligned in every way, but if they don't meet the qualifications, then, you know, you could have issues and or vice versa. It can go the other way too. And so, you know, those are always, you always try to, you know, look at those boxes before you, uh, before you move forward. Right. No, that makes, that makes perfect sense. All right. So we talked about all the different kinds of appointments and, and uh, the requirements. Now, if someone's sitting out there and they're thinking, I really would love Governor Stitt to appoint me son. What's the process? First thing I would encourage them to do is kind of identify what areas of interest do you have. And then from there, you know, then I always encourage people go on to the governor's website and make an application for appointment. I mean, you know, we tend to look at them by boards and positions that are coming open is kind of how we tend to, to look at them. Um, so, you know, I, I can give you the website. It's www.governor.ok.gov. And then just click on the top corner or top right corner of the screen and just click on get involved and then serve. And then uh, then your system, and it's an online application. It, it's seven steps. You can upload a resume or bio at the end and, and submit that in. And then I get notified when they come in. And then we kind of have you in our, our pool for whenever we have positions come open. So any citizen in, in Oklahoma can go there and just fill anyone it out can go on there and fill it out and uh, it's uh, I mean we don't uh, you know I mean, anyone can at least throw their name in the hat so right. to speak and uh, so that makes me curious how many of those applications do you get? Well, you know, I, I, I you know I probably should have run that figure before I came over uh, because we probably get we get a few hundred, I would say. I, I don't know the exact. I could I could figure it, but I, I, I don't have it in front so. of me. But I, we get we get quite a few. I mean, you know, not everyone that applies will get appointed. I mean, right. but we we certainly it can't help it can't hurt to have a broad applicant pool to look at. Yeah, I mean, you're doing four to five hundred a year. You, you, you need some you need some names. Yeah. You need you need some names. I mean, here's the thing. A lot of people want to apply for the big time boards. You know, right. you've got your regents level positions. Uh, you know, wildlife's always kind of been one that is kind of <laughs> hotly sought after. But you know, a lot of times though, you're you're looking hard to find someone who wants to be the public member on the board of podiatric medical examiners, and or who wants to be the lay member on the radiation right. management council. And I know those may not seem as glamorous, but they do have a lot of those boards do have important regulatory authority yeah. and. Um, you know, so those, you know, sometimes, in fact, I'll say a lot of times we, you kind of are looking for people to serve in kind of those middle tier boards, so mm-hmm. to speak, uh, then what are the ones that people were lined up out the door for, you know, for the higher level boards? Well, I, 
So if you're out there listening, now you know what to do. So you got to go to the governor's website and fill out the forms. And, and Chris will definitely take a look at you. Yeah, and I think, you know, I always encourage people to check out the OK.gov website, which has the listing of state agencies. And, you know, just look at agencies out there because a lot of those a lot of those agencies have their uh, board and commission positions listed uh, on their websites. And I won't say it's uniform, but you can at least, at the very least, learn more about the entity right. that you have an interest in being considered for, uh, you know, and then you can kind of decide, you know, and I'm always happy to answer questions from people about, you know, if there's specific boards or specific positions coming open. Uh, I mean, I can always get that information. Yeah. So, so people are sitting out there thinking, well, the governor just finds all these people it, this is a pretty democratic process. I mean, he, he, he he's going to evaluate you. And yeah, I mean, I think we will. And, and you know, the, now the only thing I'll always say is, I mean, the governor does, he is the appointing authority. Sure. So he, it, you know, and he may say, and he, you know, he may tell me, you know, Chris, I want you to go out here and talk to so-and-so and yeah. see if they're, you know, if they, I mean, they always have that, you know, prerogative to, to if there's somebody they know or thinks going to be the best candidate. But that does, but there's a lot of instances, though, where we're, you know, we are entertaining people and, um, I can see that. Uh, all right, so we talked about how you apply. Let's say somebody does uh, does apply and is selected. It's not just that's not the final thing. There's still process after that. What happens after that? Well, and, and we were kind of this is kind of what we were saying earlier. I think you know the, it, it kind of. But first of all, it depends on whether or not it requires Senate confirmation or not. If yeah, it's talk an appointment, about that a little bit because that seems a little daunting. It's it's more involved. Uh, although thankfully we so far haven't gone into Washington style, but it is more involved. <laughs> right. um, you know, I think um, you know the one thing we will we will always have to do is whoever gets selected. Uh, we always have to ask the spot before we'll move forward. We typically will ask the sponsoring senator if they're okay with carrying that individual's nomination, and 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 that's determined based on the residency of wherever the appointee uh, resides. Right. So it's not based on where they work; it's based on where they live. And right. so, uh, and that's kind of been the Senate's protocol uh, is to is to use that basis. So that's who. So their senator will have to agree to sponsor before we can before we'll send it up and. Right. Um, and, and that's not really in any kind of written rule, but uh, as far as when we can send it up, but generally as a matter of practice, with few exceptions, we generally will because, I mean, if the sponsoring senator is going to have issues, it's probably not going to go anywhere. Right. So we kind of like to get that. Uh, Does it matter party affiliation? Does it, I mean, well, I would say that's always subjective to whatever the position is. Right. And, uh, you know, I... Um, you know, I think it, it just really just depends on the nature of the position and, and you know, the person it's themselves, you know. Um, but I would just say, you know, once we get agreement, though, from the senator, and by the way, the senator, all these the senators are, you know, they have different ways that they choose to, to vet the nominees. Some of them, you know, they may just want a resume. Some of them may call them. They, some of them may want a meeting. And that's right. kind of their discretion as to how they do it. But once we get that affirmation, then we send the nomination to the Senate. And then during the following legislative session or the next regular legislative session, then typically the uh, Senate staff will contact the nominee to schedule them a day to come to the Capitol and appear before committee. Now, the scheduling of nominees to be heard is done by the Senate. That's, that's their deal, and that's the chair of the committee 
uh, is who makes that of each committee that the nominee is assigned to makes that decision as to when they get heard. So do you do you in your position when someone has to go through Senate confirmation at that point are you helping them through this process, kind of coaching them because that if you've never sat in the Senate committee hearing even in the state that sometimes that can be pretty intense. Right. Well, I typically give them an overview as to what to expect uh, whenever the uh, whenever they come up for hearing. I mean, I, I typically give them kind of an overview. And then usually the sponsoring senator will also help out because, I mean, they're the ones that are actually going to be in the room right. with them. I mean, the sponsoring senator will typically go into the Senate committee room once the nominee is up there. So, I mean, they get a, they probably get some input from the uh, sponsoring senator. I try to give them just an overview of what to expect uh, when they go up there. Now, am I present at those meetings? Uh, no. Uh, and I've never, and I'll just tell you up front, I have never attended a, a confirmation hearing once. You haven't had one person, you're like, really hope this guy gets it. <laughs> well, you know, I've, you know, and I, and it's just a personal thing. I, it's, I don't, I've always felt like advice and consent is the Senate's, right. that's their deal. And usually by the time the nominee makes it into hearing, I, I mean, usually by the time the nominee gets there, I mean, most of, you know, most of what we're doing on our end has been done. Right. So I don't, I don't, I have never felt it almost it really even appropriate for me to inject myself into what they do upstairs. I mean, I that's their that's their deal. If there's an issue that a member has or a committee chair has with a nominee, then you know we try to communicate about that. But um, you know beforehand. But but I don't. I have never attended a single, hmm. which I know surprises a lot of people. Yeah, but I but it and it's not that I'm not following what's going on. But I just don't. It makes sense. No, but I. I can imagine you you do a lot of work personally with these people. You probably do get somewhat, you know, at least you're friendly with them. And uh, Yeah, I mean, I communicate with Senate staff, I mean, the attorneys regularly and, and yeah. sometimes the members. And, you know, when they have questions, you know, we try to be responsive and answer whatever questions they have ahead of time. But I... You know, usually by the time the nominee is being heard in committee, I've already I'm working on the next <laughs> I'm working right. on the next batch and uh, to send up to them. And so it's just you know it's um, you know if there's concerns about a nominee, they'll they'll let us know. Sure. So all right, so um, you've worked in, in three different uh, administrations. I know you have been an appointments director in all of them, uh, but you've seen that process in all of them. Uh, is it pretty standard from administration to administration? Or do governors get to kind of put their own stamp on how they do appointments? Well, the the act of processing appointments isn't that much different. I mean, the order's got to be filed with the Secretary of State. you got to notify the agencies. The appointee needs to do their oath of office. I mean, that stuff is consistent from one to the other. Now, each governor has their own, you know, may have their own style and their own, uh, you know, stamp that they want to put on the process or maybe the the types of people they're looking for, uh, that certainly can is subjective to the governor. And, you know, here's the thing. I mean, the people, uh, when the people elect the governor, they elect that person to, you know, to represent them and, and for whatever they, whoever they voted for. And, you know, they're kind of bestowing, um, you know, that, to, you know, or conferring that on them to make the best judgment of who they feel is best to serve in those positions. And so, uh, but that, you know, I think probably, you know, each governor does probably put their own stamp on the process. And it's just like I was saying earlier, you know, with Governor Stead. I mean, I think his his 
I think his biggest contribution so far is, is are the people he's brought in and the right. fact that they're, uh, he's brought a lot of people into state service that uh, would not probably have considered it before. Chris, it's been a, a really interesting conversation. And before you go, I want to tell you something. You know, OML has several uh, appointments that we, we serve in a, an advisory role in, in those. And now the governor can choose whoever he wishes. But every one of our appointments, you guys have, I believe you've appointed everybody that we've ever recommended. And you've always had us part of the process. And uh, not every governor has been that way in the past. And I just want to appreciate that. I bet you how much we appreciate the municipal government and that you do that. Well, thank you. And, and, and on behalf of the governor, thank you, because he's, he's the appointing authority. Um, but, uh, you know, there are, I actually was looking at that before I came over and just to see what boards are that, you know, deal um what boards are that, you know, affect the municipalities. And, you know, we have a lot of those, such as the advisory councils over in the environmental area at DEQ. Mm -hmm. You know, they've got a lot of, you know, water quality is a big issue to municipalities. Environmental Quality Board, I think uh, there's a, a municipal representative on there. The 911 Management Authority yes. is a big deal. Very Rural broadband, which you right. are now going very to be, yeah, you're very important. I mean, <laughs> the fire marshal commission, the building code yeah. commission. I mean, we've got Our pension boards too. Yeah, you know. and and so there's a lot of those boards that affect the the municipalities mm -hmm. directly, and uh, and you know I, I'm I'm you know I think we've had a good relationship, and uh, and I hope uh, hope that continues. I mean, oh, we will. We're we're very happy with the governor when he was when he was a candidate, and he in this very building came in and, and I explained the public safety district bill to him and he said, well, this is a great idea. We got to get it passed. And uh, he said, if it makes it to my desk, I'll sign it. Sure enough, it took us, uh, took us three years <laughs> to get it there, <laughs> but we got it there and he absolutely signed it. So yes, he is a man of his word and we, we appreciate everything. Governor well, uh, the, well, the, the wheels at the Capitol may turn slowly, but they do eventually turn. Right. They, <laughs> they, they, yeah. You know, it just, you know, it seems like, you know, a lot of times with when it comes to, you know, legislation or reform, I mean, a lot of times it is uh, you, you keep coming back, you know, you know, every year and in, in, in pursuing, I mean, you kind of learn the value of persistence. And, right. uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. And but, patience. And patience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>